Hello and welcome to the weekly livestock market update. In place of Brownfield's Megan Grebner, I'm Will Robinson, Brownfield anchor. Planning this week, joined as always by the University of Missouri's Scott Brown. Hey, Scott. Hey, good afternoon, Will. Uh, hopefully you're having a, a good uh, almost start to your uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, or, or I'm really standing in between you and the lake, maybe. Well, let's hope that everybody's going to be out grilling some uh, good beef this weekend uh, on this uh, Memorial Day weekend as, as we hopefully get some uh, additional boost on, on the demand side. So it's, it's, it's good, uh, good, good to be talking about summer. Well, looking at that uh, demand side of things, really, can you give me a, a recap of what we've seen from the markets this past week? Yes. Yeah, so if we start on the cattle side this week, uh, live uh, cash cattle, we're down $1.30 this week. Those feeder cattle markets were anywhere from $1 to $3 lower this week. On the future side, we saw the June live cattle futures contract close up $0.70 cents on the week, and the August feeder cattle contract was up $1.85. On the beef side, we did get some higher choice box beef this week, uh, up nearly $3. I will still say that is nearly $66 below where it was a year ago at this time. Uh, when you look at the individual components in that uh, choice box beef price, we were almost up across the board in all of those components this week. On the hog side, cash barrels and gilts were 260 higher uh, on the week. The uh, June lean hog features contract was up a dollar five, sorry, up a dollar thirty-five, and the pork cat value also gained this week up uh, four dollars and twenty-five cents. It now sits uh, about seventeen dollars below where it was a year ago at this time. We saw a lot of strength in both hams and bellies this week, pushing uh, that pork cutout value higher. So a little bit of strength gaining there. What, what did we really see from uh, slaughter runs comparing to it's the past week? Yeah, so I think we've had shortened runs this week as we're heading into that Memorial Day weekend. Uh, USDA is estimating for the week ending May 28th, a run of uh, 644,000 head of cattle this week. That's down 36,000 head from a year ago sorry, from a week ago, but up 14,000 head from a year ago. On the hog side, a run of 2.351 million head of hogs this week. That's down 63,000 head from a week ago uh, and 27,000 head lower uh, than, than a year ago. So both of those numbers uh, are down as, as we kind of think about what's going to be a shortened holiday uh, run this week on, on uh, cattle and hog slaughter. So looking at our key topics this week, we're really looking at two things specifically, uh, cold storage and quarterly trade outlook from USDA. But really starting off with cold storage, looking back at April's report, is a really strong report year over year comparing to uh, 2021 numbers. So really, why did we see such a, a strong tick up and, and what did we see? Yeah, so we start on the beef side, you know, we're talking about now for the end of April, uh, beef stocks that are 18 and and a half percent above where we were a year ago at this time. We've really been fairly flat, uh, Will, as, as we've looked at the first few months, uh, setting between 520 and 540 million pounds of, of beef uh, each of the first four months of this year. Um, that, that's a little counter seasonal. You know what you expect by now? We would be pulling down some stocks, just given we're headed into to more of that uh, summer demand that, that tends to come with the grilling season. So we'll have to wait and see uh, if we're really you know, seeing anything significant uh, in terms of, of those building of stocks in terms of is it signaling maybe demand uh, is, is a little less uh, a little less positive 
as again, we think about things like inflation and so forth. On the pork side, we've also seen uh, uh, increase in pork ending stocks. You know, when we look back at, at the end of March in freezers, about 480 million pounds of pork. Now we're setting at uh, a little more than 525 million pounds of pork at the end of April. Uh, that is uh, up from last year's level as well. Um, if we look at some of the individuals here for a minute, <coughs> so pork bellies uh, up nearly uh, 20 million pounds uh, at the end of April relative to where we were a year ago. So we've been seeing those belly stocks running again above year-ago levels for much of the first four months of this year. Well, it's really interesting looking at, at how much it is up year over year. It almost seems more like a, an outlier than maybe an indication of what where consumers' mindsets might be. Yeah, so I don't I don't read too much, you know, so I go back to 2021 and I'll say those were very, 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 very low levels of belly stocks that we had. When you look at where we sit so far for this year, then we're really tracking uh, where we were the previous five, so 2016 to 2020. So we're getting back to more normal stocks, and frankly, 2021 might have been the outlier, just how tight uh, Port Belly stocks were for much of, of last year. How much of a relationship is there between these uh, you know, year-over-year elevated stocks and to what consumers might end up seeing as a final price within the grocery store? Yes, yeah, so we, we can certainly draw some correlation, Will, between those things. Higher or, or growing stocks might at times suggest demand's perhaps slowing. But I just want to remind us all that, that stocks relative to use are, are very small on the livestock side of the industry or livestock side of, of agriculture. So I don't read too much into these. And, and again, I don't read too much into what we see when whenever you know, we look at longer term uh, trends, these really don't stick out as abnormally high, just, just to give us a little bit of perspective. So beef, pork, and chicken ending stocks for the end of April uh, were about 1.9 billion pounds on average over the 2016 to 2020 period. And, and we're sitting here at 1.8 uh, at the end of April of 22. So Relative to that longer run, we're not really talking about burdensome stocks that uh, has me too worried at this point. Uh, you had my hopes up there for a second. I thought there was going to be a fire, sta- uh, fire sale on these uh, these nice ribeyes, and I could try and uh, try and pick up a bunch. I think that's a little tough to find these <laughs> days, Will. You might find some cheaper uh, uh, pork products, some pork loin that seems to still be featured out there. But uh, sorry on the beef side. I think you're uh, headed for, for uh, still some higher prices for a while. But looking up uh, outward towards ag trade and some some numbers from USDA, you know they're they're looking at, at forecasting some some record trade. You know how, how likely is that, and really, you know what's the range of forecasts? Yeah, so <clears throat> number one, they've given us FY twenty two forecast for uh, value of agricultural exports out of the United States. The, the forecast they made in May one hundred ninety one billion dollars. So, Will, I go, that's a very safe estimate on their part because we've already pretty much got that kind of growth since we're nearly halfway through uh, FY22 in, in, in terms of the year that we're in there. So, we're, we're going to see that kind of increase. So, we will be at a record level uh, of the value of, of ag exports. Um, they actually increased from their February estimate by seven and a half billion pounds this quarter. So, 
growing trade. And I think a lot of that is just prices for many of the commodities have only gone higher uh, relative to where they were back in February. So not, not surprising to see the, the upward revision. Now, maybe the flip side of this is they also estimate imports. Uh, they've raised their estimate of value of imports by $8 billion. So in net, they're actually down a half a, a, a billion dollars from their February estimate to what they said here in May. Oh, what's really causing that, that, that difference in, you know, the, the increases on both sides, I guess. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, what's, what's happening, I think on the export side, this is very, very clear that, you know, we're getting higher prices and for the things that we're exporting, the values has gone up. You take beef, for example, and I'll say, I think demand in East Asia has continued to be relatively strong there. Um, I, I, again, I think when you just look at the overall bottlenecks, trying to get products from point A to point B, whether you're exporting or importing, the value or, or the cost of that has gone up. And, and I think that has a little bit to do with the value of trade that we're seeing now. A, a, a lot of uh, discussion the last couple of weeks that I, I, I've uh, watched you and Megan uh, talk about it is uh, the, the expectation of beef production moving forward and the, the herd size is decreasing. How much of a potential role does that play in the amount of, of a product that could be exported from the U.S. into other countries? So it could certainly have an impact, I think, as we look ahead. Uh, and and I'm, I'm probably, you know, late 2023, 2024 in that discussion uh, to you, Will. I, I I will say, I think the jury's out though on what the value of that will look like. Mm. Uh, I think we face relatively inelastic demand for our products from the rest of the world, which to me says, uh, if, if, if we even if we talk about less quantity moving out of the U.S., it, it likely might be an increase in the uh, value of that product moving out. We'll have to wait and see about again supply bottlenecks, but uh, uh, to, to me, uh, I, I, I could see it harder to grow beef exports in 23 and 24 as the prices for those products to other countries continue to go higher. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that seems a little bit reminiscent looking back at uh, the phase one trade agreement coming out with a trade war with China. When you saw, you know, record level values for, for the exports moving into the country, maybe not necessarily, like you said, those volumes to match them. Yeah, so for sure, you know, it's a combination of both price and quantity that matters. And we're, we're already pushing very high prices uh, at, at consumers, both in this country and around the world. You know, I just look at beef here for a minute and, and I go, again, I'll come back. So USDA in their May monthly estimate said 2023 beef production would be down almost 2 billion pounds. That, that's a, a tremendous change. Uh, relative to, to the 22 level. And, and so allocating that, I think, again, gets hard in terms of how much goes to exports, how much stays domestically. But, but to me, the bottom line is it's higher prices. Um, and, and that may be where we get the higher values, even with less quantity. And then looking at the, the potential rise in value of our exports or U.S. exports, rather, what does that mean for, for farmers themselves looking at the prices they might end up getting for their products? Well, I hate to be overly optimistic in what's been a pretty tough uh, 2022 thus far, but it, it, it's hard not to get relatively bullish 
about the longer term, um, I've probably in the past been a little hesitant to say this could be similar to what we saw in 2014 and 2015, uh, where I I said in that period of time, even an ag economist named Scott Brown could make money in the cattle business. <laughs> um, we, we, we might be in a situation in 23 and 24 where we repeat that if supplies get as tight as, as some are projecting they, they may uh, here over the next 18 or 24 months. Well, going off that, it's uh, a lot of cattle producers maybe were rewarded for riding out following the 2012 drought and the, the higher input costs. And so you're saying, uh, just to kind of summarize, that we might see a similar situation in the next couple of years. That, c- correct. And, and well, I think it's, it's important for us to remind everyone that there are parts of this country that are still incredibly dry. And, and those are the producers located in those areas are the ones that are going to struggle yet again with how do I try to manage my herd uh, in, in the middle of a drought for those regions of the country. And I kind of go, Missouri and East and South, you know, it looks pretty gosh darn good for the most part. Uh, we've gotten a lot of rain here in Missouri of late. Uh, so we're able to take advantage in some ways of drought in other parts of the country. Um, so it does depend on where you are in terms of whether you see that the glass half full or half empty. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up though, because uh, so my, my, uh, you know, I guess hometown is East central Missouri. It's in that area there. And, and, you know, I've seen neighbors that are getting truckloads of cattle coming in from Nebraska just because, you know, it's, it's just not feasible to feed them out there. So then, you know, there, there's some opportunity to be had, like you said, Missouri and Eastward. But yeah, that's right. I, I, I again, be, being, uh, having more than enough grass. And, and again, we might be in a situation where uh, we see a lot more hay moving uh, west, uh, both, both to the south and to the north, as those areas of the country uh, continue to grapple with not enough pasture. So uh, opportunities for higher hay prices, helping uh, th- those that aren't in drought as well. But then you're also depending on uh, weather to cooperate, and that's never fun. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, looking forward, what reports should uh, so the livestock producers really be watching for and what signals uh, this coming week? Yeah, so next week we'll get out the restaurant performance index, a little bit of demand uh, look at yet again, and we'll finish next week with a, a jobs report, uh, and then we'll see whether we're uh, continuing to find more jobs in this country. All right. So definitely uh, some things to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I always appreciate uh, your time. Uh, you know, this is the, the first time I guess I get to see you on this report specifically, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you on other things as well. If uh, viewers would like to learn more about this program and sign up for uh, your inbox, uh, this to come into your inbox, you can do so at brownfieldagnews.com. Also check out the weekly commodity market update. Uh, maybe, you know, at least equal quality to this program, hopefully. Uh, that's uh, done with myself and uh, University of Missouri's Ben Brown. And so definitely uh, check that out if you'd like to get updates on that every Tuesday. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I'm Will Robinson on Brownfield.